Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Our theme this morning is from a familiar story that uh, for some of us, uh, it's very familiar, and it's concerning the prodigal son and his brother. And our theme verse, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. More about that a little later. When I spoke in July, if you may remember, we used a passage from Matthew 11, verse 29, and it was concerning being yoked with Jesus in our daily walk with Him. And to refresh our memories, the verse says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. And we can see this verse is also a carryover from the Old Testament in Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord, stand at the crossroads and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. In this passage, Judah was condemned for their stubbornness. I guess they weren't interested in a restful soul. You see, God knows what runs our life is our soul. It's the soul of our being that connects, integrates, and enlivens everything that goes on in the various parts of our self. It's our life center. It's the conductor of our being. It's like, it's like an inner stream of water giving strength and direction and harmony to every other element of our life. And you can remember what Jesus said to that woman at the well in John 3. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. When our soul rests in God, it takes its cues from God and is kept healthy by God, we as humans operate as we should. We will be prepared then and capable of responding to the situations we run into our life with ways that are good and right. John tells us in John 3.12, 3 John uh, 1.2, I should say, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health, just as it is with your soul. God wants our soul to be healthy. And when our soul is damaged, other aspects of our self cannot operate in a healthy way. We allow outside influences to take over our thoughts and our feelings and our behavior and our social relations. We are no longer subject to the tests of truth and reality and the values of Christ. 
Now, we may discern our soul's condition and that of others in kind of a superficial sense, but rarely at a level of being truly self-reflective before God. You see, the work of Jesus is threefold. First, it's a work accomplished for us by Jesus, the Son of God, come to earth, dying on a cross, shedding his blood, bearing the punishment for the sin that otherwise would fall on us. The summary of that sin of ours is quite nicely summarized in 1 John 2, where it says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Now, the word world here is the Greek cosmos, or the organized system headed by the enemy, Satan, which leaves God out and is actually a rival to him. God, however, loves the world of men and women, and we know that through the so familiar verse of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So once we recognize Romans 3.23 in our life, since we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, our part <clears throat> is to humble ourselves, which excludes boasting of any kind, even religious boasting, which puts us all on an equal footing with God's mercy. For a number of years, I served on the discipline panel of the Chartered Professional Accountants of Ontario, and when we had a member of our profession who was brought before us for a very serious charge of professional misconduct, one thing we were very sensitive to was, does this member show signs of remorse? Do they seem to be truly sorry for what they've done? And why did we do that? Well, because genuine remorse told us something very deep about the individual. Sometimes in our Christian circles, we talk of our brokenness. But when we listen closely to ourselves, I think sometimes we discover we are talking about our wounds, the things we have suffered, not about the evil and sin that resides within us. And without the realization of our utter ruin and helplessness before God, we find no path to inner rest or transformation for our souls. We need to rethink our thinking, change the way we've been thinking and acting. With this remorse, we can ask God to forgive us <clears throat> for our sins just as we are and accepting the free gift of Jesus' sacrifice and have the assurance of everlasting life in the presence of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. That is God's grace in our life in response to our faith and belief 
in what Jesus has accomplished for us. Now, if you have made that conscious decision for your life, then you are safe. The fancy word for that is justification. Now, if you haven't made that conscious decision in your life, then I want to tell you it is the most important decision you can ever make. And not considering it seriously in the deepest part of your being and thinking that you'll get around to consider it sometime in the future is really not a wise decision. Life, as wonderful as it may be for you, or maybe as difficult as it is, can end so quickly. And I know that with, from personal experience with both family and friends. So this first work of Jesus accomplished is this reconciliation between God and man and woman, the right relation established between God and us. Now, some people consider this saving the soul. But once the soul is safe, it is sometimes treated as needing no further attention. And that is a major mistake for our spiritual journey and indeed for our journey through the rest of our life. We must own our souls and take responsibility for them. God gave them to us. Now that we have stepped into a new life where we have decided that we are now safe because of our relationship and decision we've made for Jesus, Paul confirms this in Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. That is good news indeed. However, that is not the end of the story for this decision we made for Jesus. Ephesians 5, 8, and 10 says this, For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. You see, Christ designs to make us both safe and sound. Justification in Christ gives us the first, safety. And another big word, sanctification, gives us the second, which is soundness. But Lord, your word says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, so if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. I'm in the new family of Jesus. Trouble is, when I moved into the family, the new family of Jesus, I brought my luggage with me. My suitcases full of my desires, my hurts, my past, my wounded relationships, my addictions, my pain, my suffering. Lord, how am I supposed to live the rest of my life? Isn't there supposed to be rest for my soul? Well, over this month, my prayer is we will discover there is great hope, there is great joy, 
There is an abundant life. There is a path to soundness in Christ if you have first found the path of safety in Christ. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 to 11, gives us a progression of spiritual growth in Jesus. And it starts with verse 3, and it says, His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So how do we capture this divine power provision for our own life? Well, that involves transformation of all the aspects of our inner self into Christ-likeness. Jesus wants you and me to be yoked with Him in order to form the inner world of ourselves to take on the beautiful character of the inner being of Jesus Himself. Transformed to be what Jesus has called us and created us to be. Now, Romans 12, 2 gives us a hint about the process. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds to prove so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, remember I said we would return to the story of the prodigal son, and you can find that in Luke 15, chapters 11, or verses 11 to 32. We don't have time to read that whole story today, so I'm going to give you a encapsulated view, but you'll remember the story. The younger prideful son rebelled and asked the father for his inheritance early, and then he went out and squandered it all on a life of debauchery. Now, a famine hit the country, and the only thing the boy could do, the young son, was to go feed pigs and he was starving. In fact, they wouldn't even let him eat what the pigs ate. So the younger son that learned that the farther he was away from where the father dwelt, the less he was able to hear the voice that called him beloved. He was no longer considered of any value to those around him. He was truly lost, and that lostness brought him to its senses. He returns to the Father in remorse and repentance, and he reclaims his sonship, even though he had lost everything, including his dignity that went with it. Now, when the Father first sees him, he runs out to him, and he embraces him, and the son surrenders to the father totally. He says this, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, that's a nice story that ends there, but there is an older brother, and the older brother thinks he is the faithful good son because he's helped his father. And he didn't outwardly rebel like the younger brother. But we see that the older brother 
is really no better off as he is crippled with jealousy and bitterness and pride, and he can't force himself to even welcome his younger brother home. He won't even join the feast the father has prepared for the younger brother. The father doesn't care that the younger brother has dishonored him, and the older son, who in his own way has dishonored the father also, he reaches out to both of them. And that is a picture of unconditional love. Love, no matter what the cost is in money, in reputation, or appearance, the sons can't save themselves and get sound. It is the love of the father that can do that. The two sons are now safe with the father, but it is the younger son who has, through understanding his damaged soul, surrendering fully to the father, he has started his journey to soundness. And that illustrates how God loves us. Jesus tells us this story to show us that God's love is enormous. Let us have a feast and celebrate, the story tells us. The passage, or, and Jesus is saying to us that our love needs to mesh with his love and be equally lavish. And, John, and that's made clear in John chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, Jesus says. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be complete. It may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You see, God can love like this because of who he is. And if we are going to love like this, we need to be fully immersed in who he is. And this is the lifelong journey that God has called us to be disciples. It first starts with trusting Jesus, and that is believing he is who and what he says he is, and that is becoming safe. The second is spending time with Jesus in order to learn to live our lives as Jesus would live it if Jesus was you or me. And lastly, arranging our lives in order to keep doing that. That is how we become sound. For our series this month, I am praying that God will speak to you and me especially as together we're going to explore this metamorphosis this transformation we long for to be like Christ, to have rest for our souls, to have that joy that is complete in Christ, to be the disciples that Jesus describes in our final verse, John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will 
also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. The truth we must never forget that the most important thing in our lives is not what we do. It is who we are becoming. Let us continue the journey to be the people God has created us to be, our true selves in Christ. Let us pray together. Oh, Lord, we thank you for acceptance of us just as we are. Lord, I pray each one of us has made that decision to be safe in you. Lord, we thank you that you're always with us, that you're always present, and we thank you for your grace and mercy as you care for us. Lord, we rest in your love today, and we seek to clearly hear from you in the days ahead. You are our shepherd. We lack nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to leave you with some homework. Isn't that awful? Kids just started to school, and they have homework. Well, parents, you have homework too, and the kids too. I want you to do one thing, and that's I want you to read Psalm 23. It's only six verses. It's a short psalm. Some of you probably know it by heart. But I want you to read that psalm three times a day for at least three days a week for October, or once every day in October. But when you read it, I want you to read it very, very slowly and think through each verse carefully as you read it. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.